All right, everybody, it's the Audi 84 show live here from quarantine. I believe this is probably week 13, 14. I can't remember my mm -hmm. last track of all these weeks. Um, it is a balmy 90 something degrees up here in New England, and uh, it's humid, and uh, coronavirus still exists. And uh, that's that's the deal here. As always, down below, we have uh, Adam the Mallet. And of course, uh, Ryan Glover above him. And uh, Ryan, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? Of course. Uh, tonight we have AJ Vassar. He's a successful entrepreneur who is the co-founder of CyberTizel.com and is also a managing partner at Leverage Providers. He has a new book coming out called Root and Rise, The Scary Growth Process of Success. All right. Now I need to now you need to tell me what this what's it called cyber. What, so so it was it was called cybertizer. We actually okay. we actually had to finish that because people like what site they did exactly what you did. Yeah, cyber. cyber. <laughs> we were like yeah, let's. We were for trying minute, to be creative like Google, and it didn't work. For a minute there, my Terminator love prepped up. I thought you were going to say Cyberdyne, and I was going to yeah. be like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be very yeah, futuristic. Right. So what what is it? What, what what exactly is it? So I, I do a couple of things. So number one, I have a um, a marketing company where I do digital marketing, and then I have a a speaker company. Okay. Where I teach people to become professional speakers and give them that experience and show them, you know, basically how to how to use speaking and, and turn it into freedom, or online courses, coaching, like all that all that type of stuff. Now you do most of this online, I'm assuming, since you are in the, the, the fine compounds of Central America. Oh man, South yeah, America, I'm, right so, I'm so <laughs> locked down down here. Yeah, so uh, everything I do pretty much is online, um, but I do have an event where I bring people. I fly in speakers about four times a year, and we do a live international speaker showcase. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so that's pretty cool. It gives them an opportunity to become international speakers. And so you're down in Colombia. So what's the what's the language barrier down there? I've never been down there. I, I obviously it's predominantly Spanish, but the English. Do you speak Spanish, or is there a pretty wide vast of people down there that speak English or can kind of, you know, get? No, nah, I don't. I don't uh, my Spanish is horrible. Yeah. Um, and but I mean, you, we have all this technology, man. Google Translate. Oh yeah. So, yeah. you know, I can get by. Uh, I've been here for two years, so it's getting better. But, you know, if you were to come down here, you would probably think I was fluent just because I can keep up. Yeah. But I don't know half the stuff they're saying. I just <laughs> figure it out. Just like, oh, okay, I know that word. And I'll put it together. Just smiling. Saying, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Shake you in, you right? just figure stuff out. Like, <laughs> you hear the same words over and over, and then you'd be like, okay, that's up, down, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's basically yeah, you, you you adapt to your environment, I guess, and uh, you you, you yep. manage to get by. How did you uh, settle down on Columbia of all places? I mean, it's it's from what I've seen <laughs> pictures, it looks beautiful. But did you uh, find a lady? Did you go down there? Was it something like that? Or Was it just it, cheap to live? It was like, a crazy journey, man. I was uh, I, I actually had never visited before, and uh, I remember being 35 in corporate America, and I I just hit six figures for the first time, and I was like, yo, when I got my paycheck, I was like, is this what six figures feel like? <laughs> like, this sucks. Like, yo, this ain't, this ain't what I thought. And uh, it, what'd you say? It was, it, it was crazy because I was just like, um, for me, I started thinking my father died when I was young. He died when he was 49. And I was just like, yo, if you die at the same age as your dad died, you have 14 more years to live. Wow. And I was wow. like, yo, what are you waiting for? Yeah. And I had never visited. I just loved, like, I typed in uh, best weather on earth, and Medellin, Colombia was consistently in, like, the top 10. So I was like, let me check it out. Wow, it's ballsy. Good Jesus. to you, though, man. Glad it worked out for you. Just went, uh, just went down there, and you're like, yeah, I just want to live here. I'm just going to transfer everything down there, and this is when I'm going to call home. Hey, I love it. Damn. I'm glad I made the decision. You so said, if you, I got a question. If you wanted to give one piece of advice to somebody who needs to do better in public speaking, like let's say they're just horrible at it, they clam up. If you could give one piece of advice to somebody in that position, what would it be? Stop focusing on you. You only clam up when you focus on yourself. 
Nice. I like that. I like that. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I guess that makes uh, sense. Think about it. Yeah, we're speaking now. None of us are climbing up because we're not thinking about ourselves. Yeah. You just talk. Yeah, just talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what it is. Like stop focusing on you. And I guess that applies yeah. too for multiple groups, whether you're talking to ten people or talking to a thousand people. I mean, if you keep on focus on what you're you're trying to get across. And you know, as most of us have spoken in fertilized groups, it's like you after a certain number of people and, and the size of the room, you kind of just everything kind of just blends out and you really don't know or you really have any con- um, conception of how many people are actually there. So I think that's the toughest part is for people to get over that like fear boundary. I think it's more of like the apprehensiveness to uh, to kind of clam up like Adam was saying and not be able to just like to open up and like flow like that. I think that's I don't know. I feel like that's like. 70% of the battle right there is just trying to get over that hump. And then the rest is kind of like, you know, just oh, do your thing. I, I think my, I think my problem is, is like with, in this format where it's like, we're on zoom where if I'm sitting next to Artie and I look at him, I can tell when someone's about to talk, but because it's like this, I don't have that visual cue. So I feel like we're constantly sometimes overlapping. Like he's talking and then I think he's not talking and then I talk and then I hear him talk. And then, and yeah. then it's like, it's the only thing that's driving me crazy about this format. It's like, like better when around people. In, in the old days, you used to hold up signs too, because no one would see yeah. us. So you'd be able to like <laughs> write stuff down on a piece of paper and show it to the producer. And then obviously we don't have that, you know, advancement in technology here, but uh, we're adapting. Um, how is the whole coronavirus thing going down in Columbia? I mean, I haven't heard, I don't know one way or another, right? Because it's, everything seems to be a blur at this point, but have you guys been kind of being hit pretty hard with it? I know Brazil was seeing some, like, uh, large yeah. numbers and stuff, but. Yeah, Brazil was hit hard. In Colombia, we were actually, they we've been on lockdown since March 17th. Oh, damn. Okay. So, yeah, so they have really kept it, I mean, very, very low. Uh, I think in the city that I'm in, we have 4 million people. I think we only have 11 people that are hospitalized with coronavirus. Oh, wow. Uh, in the uh, now there are areas where it's been hit harder so like in bogota it's uh the capital of colombia they have more cases but for the most part they've done a great job of really uh keeping keeping the numbers low um and because of that i hate to i hate to say this for tourists but and with what's happening in the u.s i don't think they're gonna open the country back up yeah. people from the u.s to come visit <laughs> i don't know what's happening up there yeah. florida is a mess right now yeah. florida is just a complete mess the, the, that's where everybody has to travel through to come here yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's like red zone yeah. and there's no consistency up in the states now like no, every state's doing their own instead of there to be in one kind of universal system of everyone just abiding by this you know stages the uh the, every governor has their own kind of so it's like it's almost like 50 different nations all going at it right now of all different yeah. rules i mean you go to we, we're in massachusetts you go up to new hampshire which you know right over the border it's complete different it's completely different it's like going to another country these days yeah, um dude. that's the problem all these small you know countries that are the size of states essentially right they can easily just be like hey we're closing everything down and that's what yeah. it is it is what it is but yeah, it's chaos, chaos up here. Florida's a mess. Uh, Texas is a mess. I was supposed to go down to Tennessee next week. I canceled that trip because that's going to be a oh, mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's not even worth it. It's just yeah, I, it's like going backwards. You know, it's I don't I don't know when it's going to be over, but um, but what's lockdown like in Columbia? Is everything closed? Like, can you go to the grocery store? Can you go to you know like uh, the doctor if you need to, or or is there all that stuff like kind of shut down in here? You're done. So you can, we, we have what's called Pico y Cedula with going to the grocery store, which just means that I go to the grocery store based on the last number of my uh, passport. Oh, wow. Right. So oh, wow. on certain days, you have certain numbers that can go to the grocery store based on your passport. Damn. And that's how they track you. So they write the number down. If anything was to happen, they know where you've been. Uh, so it's not, it's not hard. It's yeah. Not, it's boring. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I'd rather be bored in paradise than bored somewhere else. Yeah, oh, that's good. I mean, what do we do? You, it's, you know, you can't do anything, so you go sit on your deck or your porch, and you go, you know, sit on your palm tree and beautiful. Uh, you say it's consistently in the se- mid seventies all year round. I mean, you can't be five degrees. The I mean, average temperature is seventy five degrees. But it's room temperature. It's like you walk outside. It's perfect. You don't feel <laughs> hot. You don't feel cold. You just feel relaxed. It's just, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. 
I, 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 my mother asked me, when am I coming back to the U.S.? And I always tell her, like, uh, the 32nd of February. <laughs> <laughs> what, what part of the, of the states are you from originally? So I'm originally from Illinois. Okay. And I was I was born and raised there. And then I, uh, I've spent eight years in Atlanta before I moved over to uh, Columbus. Okay. <laughs> so you're used to the hot being in Atlanta, at least. But I, I guess it would be more muggy and more humid. Like it's more like Florida down in Columbia than anything else, right? So, Columbia doesn't have humidity. Doesn't really. Oh wow, that's the opposite. I thought. Okay. Nope, Columbia like, doesn't have. I'm telling you, it's like it's, it's like, when they call it perfect weather. Yeah. It's like perfect. They the the nickname of the the city is the city of eternal spring. Oh wow. Because it feels like spring every day. Shouldn't tell too many people because I was thinking of a, of influx of people just moving down there yeah. and bringing everything. Yeah, you know, don't don't worry. Americans. <laughs> don't worry, you all can't come down. That's true. <laughs> we're, we're stuck for a little while. <laughs> oh no, you all shut off for a, a long time, buddy. That's crazy. What was the last time you've been up here? Uh, I think the last time I came was for a speaking engagement. Uh, in November. Okay, so a little recently, about half a year ago. It's not too bad. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Um, I, I knew a guy who uh, went and took a job down in the Virgin Islands as a uh, a bar manager, and the, the process to get down there was, you know, he had to call up a uh, shipping container and get it delivered to his house, and they put everything into a shipping container, and then, you know, two to three weeks later, that shipping container finally makes it down to the islands, and because yeah. uh, you can't drive, I mean, you, you technically could drive to Colombia, but I mean, that would take you probably two weeks, and you'd be going through some dangerous parts of Mexico on the way there. And no one wants now, to do that shit. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something that's interesting. I met a a, a a girl down here from from the U.S. Her and her boyfriend rode their bikes from Alabama what? to in Columbia. <laughs> I swear. Damn. I I was like, I mean, it blew my mind. Like bicycles or like motorcycles? No, like bicycles. Oh Jesus. I believe they told you that. I don't know if I believe they actually did. That no. that is how long did they say it took. Um, I think she said it took over a month. Damn. Okay. That's cheap. They have to stay in hostels, probably. Yeah. Uh, Camping out oh, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really roughing it on that. And the funny part is they broke up like two weeks after they got here. <laughs> really? It's <laughs> a long ride back. <laughs> no, you know what happened? They probably hated each other like more than like 70% through the journey. They, they hated each other, but they're like, you know what? We got to stick it out until we yeah. at least get there. Yeah. We've been doing yeah. it this long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine the shit you run into. I mean, driving's one thing, but being, you know, on a bike. I mean, you're going through villages and small towns and sketchy areas and vast emptiness for miles. Like it's yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. No way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it at all. Shit. Damn. No. I always thought it'd be cool to like go down to like uh, Uruguay or Argentina in the tip, then drive all the way up to like Alaska or something like that. I mean, if you had nothing to do. Like you had all the time in the world, you know what I mean? Just kind of driving. Yeah, you would need it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's there's too many variables along the way like that could just and someone yeah and, and and for us it's you know for me at least it's unknown but you know but sure it's some areas are probably perfectly fine but you hear stories and stuff you know next thing you know you're you're somewhere in Central America and they steal your IV and then you're sitting there all by yourself and then you, you have to bicycle back to the states you know it's like. <laughs> I uh I knew this guy like uh I was in the military with and he actually spent his senior year of high school in prison uh in Mexico. Jesus. So like you know he spent like his whole senior year wow. he there like he went to Tijuana and like he got arrested so he got like you know into the jail in Mexico and like what happened is like they would move him around to like different jails so like the state department couldn't find him it took him a year before they found him. Oh that's they fucked. Wow. Senior year of high school. That's not wow. that's not cool at all. Damn. Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> and what did he get busted wow. for? Was it anything major, or was it like a small little petty crime? That it was, it was some some like drinking. He was just drunk, like yeah. you know, in Tijuana and stuff. And everything. It was nothing serious and stuff. But he like they just kept moving around and stuff. And everything. So like the State Department was coming to find him and stuff. Oh, and everything. Wow. Like you know, that's some damn. fucked up shit right there. You know, <laughs> that is. That's wow. Really Do people get drunk in Tijuana? You know, <laughs> you're not supposed to. I guess. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> cheap meds, right, right, right. cheap drugs, and hookers. You know, it's a walking distance from San Diego. That's there. That's, that's, yeah. I, I believe it says that on the sign when you cross over. <laughs> wow! Just don't get caught, right? Right, right. I never been, but uh, it's on the bucket list. No, but um, I probably should 
probably shouldn't go with my track record. I could get myself in some trouble down there, I'm assuming. Yeah, don't be in jail for a year. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> no, no. I don't want to be. I've been, I've been in jail for about a day, and that was about all I could handle. I'm like, not even a day ago. I was at that point. So, and that's about enough for me. I, 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 I uh, remember that show back in the day, Scared Straight, when they threw a bunch of like oh, yeah. city boys into the, you know, the jail of the hardcore criminals, and they're supposed to be able to like get, you know, back in. A line that was me. Crying. Oh yeah, I was in a I was in a city jail for three hours. That was enough to get me back my get my life back on the tracks real quick. I didn't have to, I didn't, I had to wipe my own ass with a sock. That's when I really had the, that's where I really really oh, wow. seen life right there. Yeah, so wow. I can I can only imagine what you the guy you knew was like for a year in a Mexican prison. That just seems that seems torturous. <laughs> He actually told me, though, it wasn't that bad because, like, I guess their jails are a little bit different than uh, here. So, like, the people's family members and stuff and everything, like, could come over and, like, you know, like, certain days and they'll bring them food and stuff. Like, it seemed, oh, wow. like, very uh, more more humane, actually, than our, our prison system. It's like that scene in that movie Goodfellas when the, the mafioso guys are in jail, but yeah. they get their own special <laughs> yeah. section. They're cooking stuff. They got yeah. cots. They can come and go when they want. They're drinking booze. I mean, if jail was like that, I mean, it, it beats work. I can tell you that much. Like, no, you don't have to pay bills. You just sit, you know, you wake up in the morning, no responsibilities. Nothing to worry about. All you got to do is just go eat, you know. But I don't know. Fucking crazy yeah. shit. There is the whole getting raped in the shower thing already. I mean, right. there's, there's no, no one to avoid guess, that. But, I mean, you know, thanks for ruining my good day. You know what I mean? That's the only thing. <laughs> I mean, just in case if you were thinking of doing the jail route in Mexico. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! So, uh, lots been going on. I don't know how things down in Columbia with the sports. Um, I'm assuming it's all shut down because soccer is probably not going on down there or whatever. But up here, uh, there's a, uh, a, a light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, at least for for baseball, at least. Uh, yeah. Oh, baseball's coming back. Baseball today. Games, right? Yeah, so baseball today or yesterday basically said, screw the players' union. We're going to have a season anyways. And uh, so in the players' union, I guess, agreed, I guess. But there's going to be uh, 50 games. There are, uh, they're only playing 60. their division. Is it 60? Maybe it's 60. Yeah, 60. 60. Yeah. They play 40 against their, their uh, division rivals. And then they play the other, I guess, 20 games against uh, the N National League uh, division that's there in. So, in Sox's case, to be playing the National League East. Um, I didn't what, read the details, but are they playing in designated areas or are they actually playing in their home stadiums? I think they're playing in their home stadiums. Okay. I think this is great, though, because at 60 games, any just about, unless you're the Baltimore Orioles, every team has a chance. Oh, big like, time. Like, any team can get hot for 60 games, you know, for a total of 60 games, almost. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. In in fact, that um, the Red Sox, who didn't seem to have a chance going into a, a hundred and sixty-two game season, has a pretty damn good chance of going into a sixty-two game, so sixty-game season. So, yeah, I don't know what their pitching staff looks like, though. I but I think it's still in shambles. But sixty games, sixty maybe games they can hold it together. You can exactly. drive. You can run you know? every pitcher to the ground. Um, yeah. But so on the contrary, uh, the NBA was one of the first teams to establish practices and stuff now it looks like that season's going to be destroyed what, what do you guys think about that like yeah with Kyrie Irving <laughs> at the head of the uh of of of, of taking down the NBA um uh, what do you think about that like that seems a little crazy at this point oh man Kyrie Irving is like he's just he's one of those people that thinks he's a leader but he's like he talks but he doesn't really I don't I'm not even sure if the players just kind of humor him or respect him like he perks up and he says all these things, but it's like he doesn't want to be a leader. Like, look how he's on the look how he is on the court. Like, he talks to talk, but then when it comes to actually leading, he never really does anything. And then he bitches and moans. It's well, kind of how he is. I like, man. I don't know. Like, you know, I'd be excited to go to the Disney bubble. It sounds really exciting to me. Like, you know, like it's every like, seven year old's dream going to the Disney bubble. You can't leave Disney. You're stuck in Disney for for three weeks. Three Sounds months. Excellent, man. And like your family can come later on. It seems like a really great thing. So like, conceptual, it sounds like a great idea. I mean, it makes sense. Um, uh, I think their their big beef was uh, the staff wasn't isolated as well, so they could come and bring stuff in. I guess and the yeah, it, it's I don't know. It, it's I don't know what they're gonna do because like it players are gonna get it. Like it's just gonna happen. They've already, they've already like, gotten it. I mean, there's players, yeah. you know. So it's 
But like, just because you catch the coronavirus doesn't mean that it's going to be lethal to you. It's just no. seems like people who have like a poor immune system, or if you're old, like you're going to be more risk of dying. I don't think like Kyrie Irving has to worry about like you know dying from the coronavirus. No, no, but it's not that. But it's like these facilities just shut down automatically once somebody gets it, whether it hurts them or not. So what's going to happen to these teams? Like, if a player gets it, is the team just not going to play because now all of them have to get like what? <laughs> you're gonna have all your bench but like what it's gonna i don't it's just gonna be weird we'll i don't find it's out. gonna happen so no i i understand avery bradley not playing because i guess he has a six-year-old that has a compromised immune system or something like that and i, you know, I thought that was kind of bs i wrote a blog uh, today on the packy about that and i just don't uh necessarily there's been like a very small number of children that have actually died from the coronavirus yeah and the fact that he could have made other arrangements and stuff and everything. That's true. Like there's, there's things and stuff like Skype and, you know, he's basically just abandoning LeBron James and stuff and everything for what could potentially be his last chance at winning a championship. So no, it, it's true. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's the job, right? So if you're the type of person who, you know, respects your work and whatnot, he's got the one in. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you get a, you get, you have a, it's your job, right? So, you're the you're the small percenters of people that make you know lots of money as um as professional players, right? Millions, tens of millions of dollars. So you can afford not to play the season. But what about the guys who basically are making bare minimum, which is still a lot of money considering the fact of what most people make. But obviously, the, the, the their lifestyle and the standard of living is a lot higher than regular people as well. So in, in retrospect, it's it's the same comparison of a regular guy just losing his job and not. But basically, just not showing up to work, which I feel like it's a little, and it's a team effort as well. So you're not just yeah. not showing up to your job. You're not. You're not. It's not like your job, your work is going to be hurting. You're, you're hurting the 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 whole concentration of the of the team. And like you said, of yeah. Avery Bradley, it's it's definitely a big piece right there. It's yeah, he's he, you know he's the starting point guard, and like you know. Uh, I also point out the fact that he becomes an unrestricted free agent and how coincidental, you know, that he's already received his guaranteed like $9 million contract. And so he decides to forfeit the rest of the season. So, um, you know, I, I heard him say something that he's going to spend time, like, you know, working on social justice initiatives, but no one's like, you know, expecting like, you know, him to make like the social justice initiatives. You're expecting him to play basketball. And so like, I, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean the priorities at that point. Uh, you know, are you going to be a social uh, civil rights leader or are you going to be a professional basketball player? I mean, I, is one thing you know standing up for uh, causes and stuff and being a you know figurehead for certain groups or certain causes, which is fine. Um, and people should do that. You should take advantage of your fame to get messages spread across or like that. But to just to say, I'm not going to do my job. I'm just going to start another career. <laughs> it's it's the equivalent yeah. of, of the Wolf of Wall Street where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's wife can't decide if she wants to be a landscape architect or a fashion designer. And, uh, you know, every minute she changes her profession and stuff to keep up with. So it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's LeBron James oh. is very, very quiet about the entire thing. I mean, if you haven't noticed, he hasn't really said one thing or another about anything regarding uh, playing basketball, the coronavirus, and all that stuff. And uh, well, he's... supposedly they're having secret practices. Yeah, that's what I heard. Like Tom yeah. Brady and his secret practices, yeah. which are very yeah. not secret. Also, oh, have you guys seen the video of Mike Tyson? I guess he's getting back in the ring for like four rounds yeah. of a charity thing. Like, and he, he's been putting videos on Instagram of him training. He is looking fast, fifty-four years old. The guy looks like he's just really killing it out there. Is this the big one that the the big fight he was talking about? The one last one he was gonna do? Is that what he's training for, or is this something different? I know he's training for like a four round charity thing. Okay. I don't know if that's what it is. It must be what it is. But he it looks good. He I will give him fifty three years old. He's uh he's moving faster than I can. Well, last week that. last week on the show we did the uh, would you would you rather? And what was the would you rather? It was well, we oh, would you okay. So you're gonna live. I'm just gonna flat out say that right off the bat. You're gonna live, but would you rather get COVID? It's gonna be the worst it could be. You're gonna to go to the hospital. You're gonna be on a respirator, but you're gonna live, or get a direct shot to the face from Mike Tyson in his prime. AJ, oh. what, would, what would you do? COVID? You rather COVID? <laughs> Jeez. Oh. See, I yeah, said. I, I think I could COVID. I said the I punch from that. Tyson, so at least I have a story. Yeah. <laughs> It's me too, but oh, you don't have a story. You just won't be able to tell it because you'll be brain dead. <laughs> but I remember it. 
I say COVID because at least the government will probably pay my medical bills. If I get a shot from Mike Tyson, I'm going to lose a tooth. That's <laughs> dental work, man. Yeah. I don't want to fucking lose a front tooth. <laughs> a tooth? He's going to knock your brain silly. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> I told you, you live in both cases. But I don't want to, I don't want to, I hate, I'm a baby about my mouth. I don't want to fucking lose teeth. That's good. That's pricey. That's pretty impressive, too, of Tyson as well, because of his uh, track record in the past. He wasn't exactly the uh, type of person that took care of himself very well. And uh, no, to be able to be 53 and still be in, like, you know, good shape. I mean, I, I would – there's a lot of boxes out there that he could probably beat right now. I mean, it, if he went in – I mean, he doesn't have the uh, longevity of, of, a, of a season, I guess, or, you know, maybe one match a year he could probably do, but – Right, oh, and, that's, and that's the funny thing with professional athletes because I have a lot of friends that played in the league and uh, both NFL and NBA. And the thing is, when they retire, it's not because they're not good anymore. It's just because they can't do the whole season. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like most yeah. of these dudes, if if you still couldn't beat them one on one, yeah, right. They could still like one on one. They could still take half the league. It's just yeah. they can't go eighty two games mm-hmm. or one hundred sixty two games or sixteen games. So it's like, yo, I'm not gonna put myself through that, but we still couldn't touch them. No, that's yeah. a, that's the thing too. A lot of these professional athletes. I mean, what's the average uh, length of an NFL player? A year and a half, two years, right? Um, yeah, you know, two years. And you get Tom Brady, twenty years, right? Uh, I don't know how the fuck he does it, and he's forty three years old, and he's gonna attempt to another another season, his twenty first season. And that's it, a it, 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 even more, it's even nuts. more impressive than him, though, is Frank Gore, a running back. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Frank Gore isn't like, like all-star caliber, but he's, but he's decent running back, you know? And he's, how old is he now? For a running back, he might as well be freaking 80, but he's still... He's <laughs> Frank, Frank Gore, people people underestimate Frank Gore. He he's, is... Yeah. In, in my mind, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree, too. I, I agree. Longevity is part of it. I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, yeah, that's great. I mean, he's a quarterback. Protect the quarterback. Protect, but a freaking running back, you are going to get hit every time the ball gets handed to you. And for him to last that long, that's insane. Frank Frank goes, he's, he's not going to be able to walk Oof. when he retires. He's going to be in a yeah. wheelchair because of the, the, the amount of torture uh, running back's legs take. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's their knees, their thighs, their ankles, everything. Their whole lower body is just getting beat to shit. Not to mention the blows to the head can't be very good to your health, your mental health for the long run. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, 37. I do, worry about, I do worry about the blows to the head, but a lot of these guys like Tom Brady, it, to me, it's not what you do on the field. It's what you do off the field That's that determines true. your career. Yep. And Tom Brady's diet, if you look at what he eats, it's, like, it's phenomenal. Like people, people have no idea how disciplined Tom Brady is. Oh, right? I believe it. He doesn't eat anything that that causes inflammation. Like his diet is so strict, and then they wonder why his body is like that. Yeah. Right? But you get people that come into the league and they're like, "Oh, I have money, so now I'm going to eat whatever I want and not the league too." That no, no, the perfect example of that is who's the third baseman the Red Sox got from San Francisco uh, a few years back that we ended up. To have to trade oh. him back, and he's—I think he played his last season in San Francisco. The panda. The, the panda. panda. Yes. Um, what's his name? Um, I forget his name. But yeah, you, occasionally you get these weird though freaks of nature that like you don't understand how they made it that long. Like who's that pitcher played with the Mets? I think he's still going. He's like in his forties. That Hispan- uh, Hispanic. Um, it's kind of heavy set. Oh, it's, it's kind of uh, Bartolo <laughs> Colon. Bartolo Colon. Twenty years like, or so. Yeah, he's about three hundred like pounds. He, yeah, it's like the equivalent of that friend you have whose grandmother smoked since she was ten and lived to be ninety. It's like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> it's true. It's unbelievable. It's uh, some people just have the natural uh, chemical uh, makeup of their bodies. They're able to, you know, do crazy things. And there's other people that you know they get a paper cut and they could die. So. Um, all right, guys, we have less than a minute left before we have to go to the break. Uh, when we get back, AJ, I want to talk about your book um, that's coming out. Yeah, we need a book. And uh, all that good sure. stuff. And uh, so, guys watching on Facebook, we are going to disappear for about uh, 20 seconds. You guys, you have the link. Um, we'll meet back up with you in about a couple minutes or so. All right, see you guys after these messages. Boom, boom, boom. Miracle technology. I think I figured out a way to get around this whole uh, Zoom stoppage. If I don't put a end time on it maybe we'll try next week we'll see how that goes but it looks like we are all back with the id84 show second half here everyone on uh facebook thank you for watching we got a uh, number one fan in the house right now alex wallace is watching us 
Uh, live from Weston, Massachusetts. This guy watches. He hasn't missed an episode and 137 episodes. This He's literally wow. there every single committed. week. He's a committed yeah. young man. We also think he's possibly uh, one of my uh, my buddy's little brothers as well and has a second name. But uh, Because we, we haven't seen the two of them in the same room at the same time. Nope. So things gets a little weird, but <laughs> but we were back here with the Idea Four show. We have uh, AJ with us below, uh, and uh, you have a book coming out. Is that is that is that right? Yeah, I have a, a book that that I just re- recently. Uh, I guess it's not published yet because I've just been giving it away for free. But it's called "Root and Rise: The Scary Growth Process of Success." So give us a little synopsis about it. What's the what's the premise of it? The premise is that everybody want to be successful, but nobody want to get dirty. Okay. Right. And that's like, that's what you go through when you working to be successful. Like even you with this show, right? I've read to you is a whole bunch of things that people may want what you're doing now, but they probably don't want all the stuff you had to go through to get here. You're telling me, I mean, I've been doing this show since uh, my freshman year of college and that was back in uh, September of 2002. Um, <laughs> And uh, I got to tell you, if you seen the technology we had, uh, you know, 20 years ago, 18 years ago, it's a lot different than it is now. And uh, it's a lot smoother than it has. And yet Adam can uh, attest to that. He's been up the show since 2011. And wow. uh, so it's been a lot of uh, changes. But, yeah, no, absolutely. You have to uh, do some. You have to get dirty. You, it, 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 you, no one's going to give you anything. Um, no. And if you want it bad enough, you have to do the work, put up with the bullshit. I mean, uh, and anything in life, whether it's a you know a regular job or you know uh, you know I attest to doing stand up comedy. You you do a room to two people, and you eventually get to the room where you have thirty people, but you have to do those shitty rooms on a Tuesday or a Monday night first to be able to establish uh, some kind of uh, you know steps in your career or whatnot. But um so what what gave you the idea for this is this part of your motivational speaking that you do as well is this kind of like a side note to it or uh this is just kind of like an addition because i had um i was i people look at my journey now and they say they you know whenever people start saying things like oh you got it easy or i wish i had your life or you know man if i could be you and i'm like you just want to be the, the the part of me that you like if you see right you so, you know, just recently uh, in business, I did $30,000 in 30 days, right? Damn. So, you know, a lot of people was telling me like, oh man, like, yo, I want to do that. And I'm like, yo, then you also have to go through being homeless too, right? Because I had to sleep in my car for three months, right? And I've eaten out of a trash can before, right? And like, it's like a whole bunch of stuff. Like people, they say they want it. And I'm like, yo, you don't, you don't want it. You just, yeah. You you want you want all the glamour of it, but you don't want the actual process, right? So, no. They, they just want to get finished. You get handed the finished product when it's all said and done. You know, like exactly, exactly. And and that's not life. That's not how life is set up. Like nobody's gonna hand you the finished product. You're gonna have to make your product. So you know, my thing was just showing people like, look, when you're when you're taking a journey to success, this is what to prepare for. Because I feel like if you know it's coming, not that it makes it. Not that it, not that it keeps you from going through it, but it makes you more mentally prepared to deal with. It. That makes sense, and it's uh, it's good to keep someone motivated as well. Um, that's the toughest, but I think motivation is half the battle, right there, right? I mean, because you can ever, ever, you can, you can do anything you want at the end of the day, and uh, whether you're successful or not, uh, a lot of it has to do with the uh, determination, the effort, the uh, the want, I guess, you know. I know, I know we were talking about Tom Brady a little bit earlier, but, I mean, he's a pretty, pretty good example. I mean, 199th pick, draft, sixth round, uh, backup quarterback to the number one overall pick in 1993, Drew Bledsoe. And uh, for most people, that's a that's kind of a death wish right there. You're getting signed to a, a team of an established quarterback. You're never going to see any playing time. But, uh, you know, and a little bit of uh, luck and a little bit of uh, hard work, though, because he could have easily the next season just – not have been the starting quarterback. I mean, he could have just had an all right season. And at the end of the day, Drew would have came back and it would have been who was Tom Brady. But, um, you know, uh, funny, like my whole life, I was a New England's Patriots fan because uh, this kid that went to my high school who played for the uh, Patriots, Tony Simmons. 
And so like I got into like, you know, Terry Glenn and like Drew Bledsoe and, and like I was rooting for the Patriots and stuff and everything. The year like Drew Bledsoe doesn't play though, like you know what I mean, and stuff and everything, like they win the Super Bowl and stuff with Tom Brady. It was like <laughs> crazy. And it go yeah, and- I think I think the the biggest part during this whole thing is just figuring out do you love the process or do you love the purpose? Yeah. Right? And that's that's what and, and and even with athletes, professional athletes, right? So you look at people like uh, Johnny Football, right? Johnny Manziel. I believe Johnny Manziel loved the perks of football. He didn't really love the process of football. Agreed. Like Tom Brady loved the process of football. You see what I'm saying? That's yeah. true. It's so a- when you love the process of something, it's totally different, right? Yeah. Because you go through what it takes to, to do it. You love every aspect of it. So, yeah. you know, find something where you love the process. Because if you love the process, you can become great at it. It's like yeah. that thing they say, uh, you know, pick what you enjoy doing in life. Do it for a living and you never work a day in your life. And uh, it's true. I mean, the process, you have to, you have to dig and live with the process. The process of anything for that matter. Whether it's this podcast we do, whether it's you know, playing professional sports, whether it's just your job at work, you know, it's, you know, yeah. it's pretty crazy. It's if you don't do the pro, if you, if you don't, yeah. Basically, what you're saying is Johnny Manziel was is a prime example. I mean, the guy he was he was a rich, spoiled kid with a trust fund, anyways. You know, so for him, the motivation to be successful wasn't there because he already had money, and whether or not he made it as a professional football player, he was not going to ever be homeless, ever be you know starving, never be poor. Um, but, you know, like, but, uh, you know, look at like Peyton Manning, you know, and Ryan Leaf, you know, they both like, you know, came from two, like Peyton Manning, you would think like would be less motivated than Ryan Leaf, but like that wasn't the case. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, yeah, Peyton's a good example. It's all I mean, about attitude. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the, the stories that I love is like Steve Young from the uh, quarterback for the 49ers. Like people don't realize He's a he's one of the inheritance to Brigham Young University. That's crazy, right? That's they true. Used yeah. to, the accountants for the 49ers would have to tell him to cash his game checks because he would never cash them. Yeah. That's nuts, <laughs> right? But he loved the process of football. Yeah, right. Which is why he became a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I mean, came after. I mean, you're talking about like what Tom Brady did. Think about Steve Young. He came after Joe Montana. I know. Like that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's. A and tough he was he was playing behind him for for a couple. Of, it's yeah. It's you have at that time probably the greatest quarterback of all time was Joe Montana, and uh, yeah. you're sitting there and here you are looking at your your position, your your job, being uh you know put on the back burner for many moons and you know Steve Young turned out all right. He did I think he did pretty good with his uh, career as it was all said and done. You know. Oh yeah. Um and. and uh, it was very similar to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre as well. I guess you could say out in Green yeah. Bay, you're sitting there behind the yeah. guy for a couple of years, and you finally get an opportunity you can do. But that is a very small percentage of yeah. quarterbacks in the NFL, in any league for that matter, even in college, because most people who are backing up the star, right, are never gonna ever make it. They're gonna they're gonna be thrown out in the wash. I mean, the Patriots have seen multiple backup quarterbacks um, over the years. Uh, some. More successful, like uh, you know, Matt Castle or Jimmy G, and then some not so well, like Adam's brother, um, Ryan Mallett, who uh, who <laughs> just I think it was you already that said, yeah, you said this. You don't want to be the next guy; you want to be the guy after the guy. Yes, because and it's true. It's like I feel bad for whatever quarterback is after Tom Brady because he's like a once in a generation quarterback. You no, know, even if you are a decent quarterback, people are still gonna freaking scold you because it's just impossible to live up to that right regardless if even if you're okay you're still going to be good but it doesn't matter because the people the, the, the general public is going to look at you like you suck <laughs> but, but that's the thing that's the thing that and i think that's what too many people get caught up in right because every day the only thing that you should ask yourself was was i better than i was yesterday yes that's true. right but so if you get caught up in what everybody is saying then yeah you you are gonna yeah. fall off right yeah. But yeah. if, if you just, number one, you got a lot of process, right? Most of these guys, they don't look, like, honestly, I'm, look, I played football. I played at D1. I, like, I have friends. Yo, when you get to the league, most of them guys don't want to do it anymore. Yo, it, <laughs> it takes true. a, it's a mental brain 
yeah. only know what to call it to go out there and put your body on the line, right? It's Hell just yeah. that they yeah. look at it like, okay, where can I make this money from? So I'm gonna go through, right? Yep. There are very few people that love the game enough to go through the entire process and still love it, right? Most of them, it's a chore now. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a chore. That's why they can walk off the field in the middle of halftime. <laughs> And they're like, yo, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I'm done. It's, yeah, it's definitely a trying situation. I mean, yeah, and, and a lot of these, and, and it could be, motivation can be anything, right? Um, you know, the love of the game, um, the ability to be successful. I mean, a majority of NFL players, a lot of them come from, you know, poor families, poor situations and stuff. And uh, to be able to have an opportunity to make, you know, six plus figures is a huge deal for their families and stuff. So, uh, you know, a lot of that's a motivation for them. Um, it, 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 Tom Brady necessarily didn't need the money, right? I mean, he came from a, a reasonable family. He probably would have been fine as selling cars. You know, he could have done anything, and he probably would have been really pretty well at it. But his motivation was a little bit different. You know, it's. But at the end of the day, what do all these people have in common? They love what they're doing, and they're, they're enjoying they're doing, doing it. Exactly. And th- th- you could tell. You could tell. You could anyone, an athlete, a cook. A, you know, a bartender, a guy selling, you know, insurance. If they're doing it for a long period of time, they have to either be liking it or they really, really hate their life at the end of the day. Like, they go home and want to, like, murder themselves. And no one wants that. You know what I mean? No, no one wants to wake up Monday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning and dread the next uh, five days of their life uh, consecutively. <laughs> um, and I've worked at jobs. Trust me, we've probably all been there. We all worked at a job that we dreaded that Monday morning alarm, and we had to push through yep. the week. And when Friday came, it was a breath of fresh air. And then Sunday night was all of a sudden, all of it started compressing again, you know. And you know, and I've left jobs that made more money than other jobs just to be a little more mind and happy and have my my life be a little more less uh, stressful. Peace of mind is peace of mind is important. It's, it's it's worth it's it's priceless. You can't put a, you can't put a dollar amount on uh, having in the ability to not be overwhelmed, obsessed, and uh, you know, undermined for the most part. It just you you can't you can't value that shit. It's, it's it doesn't work. It's it's it, having when you find that ability to do something like that, you know, you got to hold on to it. whether you're playing football, whether you're you know sweeping floors at a you know at a school it's it's shit yeah. like that it's like it's it's a tough part it's, it's it's i feel like most people hate their jobs and you probably come across that motivating people and talking to them that you know a lot of people don't oh, yeah. like what they're doing and you probably tell them well what do you want to do right what, what do you enjoy doing and how do you become successful at that and like you said hard work get your fan hands dirty Sometimes taking a yeah. giant step back, right? I mean, yeah. you have oh, to sometimes I, I start in the basement. Step back. Yeah. I took a giant. When I left corporate America, I went from making uh, a total with everything I was doing. I was making over 100000 I think I made less than 25000 the next year. Damn. You see what I'm saying? But I was free. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I was free. So it was like, all right. I'm, and this is the thing. This, this is what I, I, I want people to realize all the time. Whatever people are paying you, right? It doesn't matter what, what amount you're getting paid. Add, multiply that number by 1.5 because that's actually how much you're costing the organization. Okay. Right? So uh, I think when I was at, the last time I checked, I was at 90. So I was costing them 120, right? So at the end of the day, I know I'm at least worth 120,000. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's, yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's one way to look at it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I know I'm at least worth 120000 so let's go bet on myself. There you go. There's some professional athletes that aren't worth that much. I mean, their contracts aren't saying that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so at the end of the day, yeah, why the hell not? You only live once. You're only on this planet for so long. And, uh, I mean, I we all come across this. I mean, I'm about to turn 36, and you sit there and you look back. You're like, all right, what have I done last What have I done in the last year? And what have I done collectively? during my lifespan on this planet so far and is it what i want to be doing because how many guys you talk to who been working the same crappy job till they were like 50 60 years old retire and hated it right they just went they clocked in every monday clocked out every friday just took a paycheck home and if you ask them at any given time during this process they would say it's i'm providing for my family 
which mm-hmm. you know, which is great. That's great. You're doing it. It's it's I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But the small percentage of those people don't realize that you could still do something you enjoy doing and still provide for your family. You just have to have the balls to leave the job you had for 20 years and say, fuck it. I'm just going to go and do something completely different, change a career at 40, but I'm going to be happy. It's tough, but yeah, I mean, anybody can, but that's, that's, it's, it's easier said than done, I think in some situations, but yeah. You know what? And and I think it's all perspective, right? Because think about, so for me, I look at it like this. If, if I know I'm going to lose my, lose a job and get fired, then I want to be in control of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when in my situation, if money is ever low, I know why it's low. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 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 Right. I'm not. So, so think about all the people that I mean, I have I have a ton of friends now that were laid off because of COVID nineteen, right? Yo, that to me, that's the worst place to be in because at the end of the day, the 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 corporations are going to take care of themselves and they're going to take care of their families. And at the end of the day, you find out how much how little your family actually means to them. It's true. Yeah. Right. So if you're not going to care about my family, at the end of the day, then I want to be in a position where I can. Absolutely. And I've left jobs uh, in the past where your employees don't have you back, which I think is a big thing. I think you, if you don't have a boss that has your back in situations and, you know, falls to the knees of a client um, just to save face or to, you know, save a few extra bucks, when he knows damn right you were right the whole entire time, but they throw you under the bus. Getting thrown under the bus for me is one of the biggest disrespectful things any employee could do to an employee. Um, in my perspective, in my eyes, even if your employee was dead wrong, you never throw them out there in front of a client and hang them to die, right? Because you're going to lose your respect immediately from the employee that you have there. And for that day on, from that time on, they're never going to be the same. And that's probably one of the worst things you could have is an unproductive employee that doesn't give a fuck. If the place burns down, you know, if you're going to cost the company $100,000, an unhappy employee is probably the most dangerous thing to have as a giant as any corporation for that matter, because they don't give a fuck. And, you know, from their perspective is if they got canned or fired or whatever like that, they don't really care. But in the process, it's going to take six to nine months of destruction. They're going to be carrying over the time. So you just cause more damage to the company. So, yes, sir. you know, so for any notes out there to any employees who have staff, treat your staff well and take care of them. And especially times like this, when you can just go and be like, I'm laying you off, I'm laying you off and fuck your families call the government and see what they can do for you well you know that's not the proper way of doing it there's there's ways that and companies have done it and will and you know have shown it that there's ways to reconstruct and you know take a little less for themselves and divvy it out to the people who need it just to keep their staff in line because a happy employee is a very productive employee in a, in a very uh um dedicated and uh genuine employee as well so i mean those uh those COVID nineteen benefits too they they expire at the end of July, so that's like a lifeline right now for quite a few people. So who knows? Uh, yeah, it's tough. Happen. It's it's very yeah, very very. I, my my thing is I wanted to be my own stimulus package. There you go. That would be great. <laughs> that, that, that was my attitude. I can be my own stimulus package, right? So and I I just bet on myself. And even even when I was in corporate America though, I went from I went from making. When I started with the company I was with, they brought me in at entry level. Okay. I went from thirty-one thousand two hundred dollars a year to nine to ninety thousand in thirteen months, right? And the the way I did it was I thought like the owner, I acted like the owner, right? So this is what this is what employees have to realize. Your favorite day of the month, which is typically payday, is the owner's worst day of the month. <laughs> it's true, right? And a lot of employees don't think like that, right? So what my attitude was is I'm going to always, so he may be mad he has to pay everybody else, but he's going to be happy he's paying me because he's don't, he knows he's getting the stick, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was doing things that, you know, anytime they needed somebody to work later, I got it, I'll do it, right? Anytime I found out what, what was a win for him, and then I just started going after it, and I thought like him. Because of that, I mean, you stand out because you're doing stuff nobody else doing. Because most people have the attitude, they don't pay me enough for this. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
and I had the attitude they will eventually. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. don't think that way, though. A majority of people don't think that way. And especially, um, I don't know if you've dealt with this. I, I've, I've dealt with kids straight out of college who think they should be given, you know, the half oh my 50 God. grand. Kids out of right? college feel like they should oh, start God. off at 90000 a year. Like, yeah, the hell with them. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, right? The idea of telling them they have to go and, you know, empty garbages in an office as, a you know, an intern just to kind of earn their stripes a little bit and to kind of earn respect and to get to know the system to them is, 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 is appalling. It's, it's almost like you insulted their family when, you know, or you have them change the paper in the printer, or you have them do, you know, minute tax tasks around the office. It's They just think they should be given the uh, corner office and the CEO position right out of college because they know everything, right? I mean, they, they, I mean, they went to college, so. Of course, in theory, I mean, they know. I mean, what don't they know? Exactly. I mean, they learned it all in a book. And it was yeah. all different, so. My professor told me. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It must I, be I, true. I, <laughs> I love these people now that are coming out of college with entrepreneurship degrees. Oh yeah, it's oh. crazy. It's it's. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh. There's nothing more annoying than a student that just regurgitates something that they heard from their professor, but haven't hasn't been anywhere in life. It's like, did you know in like Egypt, yada yada? Have you been there? Well, well, no. But my professor's niece's cousin told me, and I read yeah. this in a book. You know, well then you haven't, so you don't know. Shut the fuck up. It's, it's hilarious to me. They're like, oh, I, oh, I have a, I have a degree in entrepreneurship. And I'm like, oh, that's what's up. You own a business? Oh, no, but I know what it takes. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> Holla at me when you have to decide, are you going to pay your light bill at home or your light bill at your office, right? <laughs> then you run a business, right? <laughs> yeah. You ain't never experienced that. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you, so as a motivator, like. as a motivator, what would you say to one of these, you know, example of a typical college kid coming out of college and thinks they know everything and wants that big job like how would you how would you talk them down and, and talk some reality into them and kind of motivate them to you know have to do the work you know get their hands dirty so the, the i use stories a lot right i use myself i use others um you know people i came i, I grew up near st louis so you know we we have the big anheuser bush uh company there and one of the things that I was always impressed with is that all the all the the Anheuser Busch, the third, the fourth, the fifth, all of them started off cleaning the toilets. Yeah, right. That's true. Because, and that's why they had so much pride in the company because they cleaned the damn toilet. Yeah. Right. So anytime, my thing is this: anytime that you feel that you're too good to do a job, don't ever expect somebody else to do it. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah. So can... that's my that's my that's what I say to 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 those college kids. Anytime you feel you're too good to do that, don't you ever expect anybody else to do it. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. until you know what it's like, how how could you have compassion for somebody else? Or how could you know how the job should be done? True. Yeah. It actually gives you a little more uh pride in the finished product when it's all it said and done, you, you know. Little, it gives you a lot of pride in the company. And that's what people don't have now. They just want to come in and make money. And I'm like, yo, what am I paying you for? Because this is the thing, right? My thing with, with especially, especially with, with kids coming out of college and they're like, oh, I should make, I should start off at 70,000 a year. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Show me how you're going to make the company 350. Yeah. Because that's the only way we can justify paying you 75. Yeah. If you make us 350, right? So how are you going to do that? I'll wait. <laughs> okay shut the hell up that's a good point that's actually a great thing to say it's actually a great example um yeah i never really thought about that yeah show me why while you were at that amount of money and uh and very few that can show you how they're gonna make you that money and i'm sure if, exactly i'm sure if someone came up to you and had this fucking plan that blew you away you'd probably be like damn all right let's give it a little shot let's see how it's going Oh, no. You know what I would say? Yeah. Show me. Show me. Okay, yeah. Be, be, because, because every, so this is the thing. I, I love when people say, oh, all it takes to be a millionaire is to sell, you know, a thousand people on a thousand dollar product. I'm like, okay, sell 10. <laughs> right? Because saying stuff like that sounds easy. Yeah. Right? Oh, this is a phrase I hate when people say it. it, it it's like fingernails on the chalkboard. All you got to do is <laughs> yeah, all yeah, you gotta yeah. do is 
No, that all you got to do is comment. I hate that with a passion. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, if you want, if you want to become a speaker, all you got to do is write a book. And I'm like, you know how hard it is to write a freaking book? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm just wave my magical wand. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> has, so has, I, has it ever backfired where like you've been in that position where you said, okay, well then how? And then the person's like, well, actually, and they gave an explanation and you're like, right. <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> because this is the thing. Though, okay, so I heard this saying and it, it's really true, right? Those that know don't say and those that say don't know. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if I know how to do something, why am I going to talk about it? It's yeah. like, I, I know how to do that. I'm not going to brag to you because typically, if you know how to do it enough, I know how to do it. We're talking at a much deeper level anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Right? Yeah. So if, if you're telling me, oh, oh, all you got to do is, then I'm like, okay, you don't know. How to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're full of shit. Yeah, like yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you have no idea how to do it. Okay. Yeah. It's like, the, it's like the players in the basketball court. Michael Jordan never told you, hey, this is how you do it. He just did it. He went out there and he just yeah. fucking schooled you, you know? Exactly. Because that, and, and think about it. All of that came from his time in obscurity. And yeah. that's the thing. Kids don't want to work in obscurity no more. No. Everybody wants to be in a limelight. Look at me, look at me. No, man, the work is done in obscurity, right? And people have no idea how many nights I stay up till 4.30 a.m. work. No, I believe you know it. I'm saying like, yeah. at, that happens, but no, everybody wants, no, you want the Maserati, you want the, the Range Rover, you want all of it, but you don't want to put it in the work for security to get it. Okay. I love uh, the example in your book and you talk about like uh, first round draft picks and like how many like, you know, first round draft picks are like actually bust. Cause like, you know. It, you, Cause they get it handed to them. Yeah. Like they get it handed to them, they don't have to work. They don't. So when they come in the league, people are all people are handing them all of this stuff, and it's like, yo. Then you start once again. You start loving the perks more than the process. Yeah, that's why you see these idiots buying like Rolls Royces with their first paychecks and all these stupid things. And <laughs> yeah. no, it's, 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 and it backfires every time because you have to love the process, man. It's, it's not about the perks. So I will tell you this, and I will. This is no lie. You can talk to my team. After we hit 30,000 in 30 days, I, I got emotional because I was like, damn, bro, you was just homeless like six years ago when you just hit 30,000. This is, and that that 30,000, that was more than I made in 2013 and 2014 combined. Damn. Wow. Okay. So I got emotional, right? I celebrated with my team. I was back to work in one hour. Oh, yeah. You got to keep on going. You get it. Just, just yeah. keep on plowing forward. I, 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 I would be the same exact way. It's uh, you you get off on the motivate, you get off on the 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 process, you get off on the 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 goals that you're hitting, and uh, you know you just want more. It's kind of like an adrenaline rush, you know. You you you, yeah. you just want to keep on pushing, see how far you can get things going, and you're in, it's fun, right? It becomes like a exactly. kind of like a game, and it's like all right, let's see how far yeah. I can do it today, and you know it. it, it and if you're having a good time, your team's motivated. They're having a good time. Everyone's working. All the gears are turning. Everyone's forward focused. You know, it's it's that's that sounds like a successful business to me, right there. That's how I think every person who runs a business wants to do it. You know, it's love. So big shout out to the Unleash You Now family because they they yo we rock together. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we are approaching the uh, one hour mark here. Ag Vassers, I guess tonight. Uh, please tell us uh, how people can reach out to you contact you what do you your website anything of that nature so all, all my stuff is aj vassar um reach out to me on facebook instagram everything is aj vassar aj v as in victor a s s a r um like i'm not too big I, I do say what's up to people um I, I believe in relationships so yeah reach out to me holla at me talk to me cool i think a lot of kids out of college should be contacting you or they should have someone who knows yeah, them, they should be Shooting you some messages and you should be scaring them straight. <laughs> like, <laughs> tell them, tell them, tell them, contact me. I'll, I'll do everything I can. There you go. Cool, Ryan. What are you uh, plugging this week, my friend? Oh, I uh, definitely. I just did a, a post about his book. I read it. It was incredible, and uh, it's up on the packing and stuff. And everything. I encourage everybody to check it out. And uh, as soon as he gives me the uh, Amazon link, I'll add that into the uh, article as well. So hell yeah. Yo, tell him just reach out to me. I'll give it to him for free. Like I don't. It, like this book ain't even about money. It's just about getting people the information. Like 
hit me up. I'll send it to you for free. Yeah, it's a real incredible read and stuff. I really enjoy it and stuff. It was, he goes really, he's very vulnerable and he's uh, gives some really great uh, advice that you can start applying to your life right now. So, Awesome. Adam, what we get plugging this week for you, my friend? Um, yeah, no, you can just check out my uh, movie discussion channel on YouTube, as always, uh, The Whirlwind Potato. You know, getting a bit of a hiatus for a little while, getting some writing done, plus I'm just tied up with a bunch of other shit going on in my life. So, but yeah, you know, always that's, working. That's life. Yeah. All right, and of course, you can get this show on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, thepacky.com, of course, where Adam and Ryan and I all write on. And uh, again, AJ, thank you very much for taking an hour out of paradise down there in Columbia and joining us tonight. It was very awesome talking to you. We learned a lot yeah. from you. So nice meeting you, AJ. And yeah, definitely, man. Great talking to all of you. I appreciate Ron for having me on. Thank no problem, so man. For everyone else here watching, thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good